What up, guys? It's Andrew Baxley on the Late Night Facts of Backs podcast. Right now, it's currently 12.37 p.m., so it's a great time to spit out some facts and say completely 100% things. You can reach out to me at latenightfactsofbacks at gmail.com and tweet out to me on Twitter for future episode suggestions at, at Late Night Facts. Look at my other podcasts, the AA Podcast, on Anchor, YouTube, and Spotify, and definitely check it out and hit us up for suggestions. Um, all right, so now tonight's facts I'm going to drop about um, some facts, but most importantly, I'm going to be talking about um, my Out West journey, so this will be the part two of the Wild Wild West Journey podcast, and I'm also going to be talking about, because I encountered these animals, I wouldn't say encounter, like less than 20 feet apart, but I seen them, I saw them in the distance, but how to distinguish between a grizzly and a black bear, and what to do in a bear attack, and what to do in a bison attack, because I saw those two animals there, and I was wondering what to do if that ever happened when I was there. So we're gonna get right to it. I'll talk about those attack survival points in a little bit, but first I'm gonna talk about how I thought, how before I went on this trip, I thought that these parks were stupid and that I didn't need to travel to them. So um, for a long time when people were saying, oh Yellowstone is great, Glacier is great, all these other parks out west are super great that you need to go to them, um, you need to visit them, the super cool scenery. I just, I never had an interest um, to visit there. I thought that they were stupid. I thought something you could see in your everyday state, I don't know, like the park, I don't know, like the same scenery, the same plants, the same animals, um, and that I just didn't have an interest in it. So I was in a class in high school, and we talked about those parks for the semester, and after that class, I gained a little bit of interest in these parks, because I saw, wow, it's the scenery and the animals are way different than the parks in Raleigh, North Carolina. And the parks in Raleigh, North Carolina are not even a national park. So, yes, I gotta admit, coming up to this um, journey out west, I wasn't too stoked to go because I was, I was focusing on, like, wow, I'm gonna be missing my friends for two weeks, wow, I'm gonna be missing playing bounce while I'm working out for two weeks while I'm going to be missing a lot. But after coming home from Seattle, our last stop on the trip last night, now I'm in Raleigh again, I realized, wow, these national parks aren't stupid. Wow. It was great to take a vacation and to take a break from bounce and working out for two weeks, which I do every day. So it was a nice break. So yeah, looking back on this trip, I'm very glad I saw those national parks. And they were not stupid. It is way different than Raleigh. It is way different than the mountains in North Carolina. So the Appalachian Mountains. Yes, the Appalachian Mountains are very cool. But out west, it's spectacular. Um, yeah, so overall, they were not stupid. Um, I saw animals that I would probably never see in North Carolina, like bison. Um, like a moose, um, a bear. Yes, I could possibly see a bear in the apps, but it's not likely. Um, what other animals I saw? Yeah, can't think of any right now, but I saw a bunch of animals. Uh, I saw geysers. 
um, Old Faithful in Wyoming. That was really neat. I've always wanted to go to that too. Obviously, those geysers aren't in North Carolina. The hot springs aren't in North Carolina. Um, Glacier National Park is in North Carolina. It's just Glacier National Park is something different. It's something you need to go to because it's just the scenery is amazing. Probably, that was probably my favorite national park I went to during this trip, even though it's only like 13 miles were open out of like 50, 52, something like that. Um, it was just very, very cool. The weather was perfect. Yes, the water was freezing. I dipped my head in the water, and my hair, it felt like my hair was about to um, freeze. But other than that, just, I bet you a lot of kids my age, especially guys, just think that the national parks are kind of stupid and dumb and lame. But trust me, once you go out there and once you, once you get a, that taste of the fresh air and the natural scenery, it's, it's not stupid at all. Trust me. Um... In between Raleigh and out west, there was a huge culture difference. Um, which is starting off, first of all, like, you know, where I live, on the highway, the exits. There's probably a food place every exit, gas station almost every exit. Um, but out west, I mean, in the in Mont- some parts of Montana, some parts of Idaho, it's just long roads. Um not that many exits, and when there is an exit, it's probably just a restroom, not, I don't know, a food place. I mean, it's very different. I mean, at one point, we were driving forever and forever, and we stopped at a food place, and because it it wasn't even lunchtime, it was like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, but we still had to eat, because one of that's the only food place we saw in, I don't know, so many hours, I don't know, so we stopped there, and it was very different. It was on like a ranch and stuff. It was pretty cool. But just like the culture difference, like the themes of the places out west is way different than the themes here. Yes, some themes in Raleigh of restaurants can be like wild, wild west themes, um, ranch themes. But out west, it seems like it's really true, like the theme, because it's out west. It's in the middle of nowhere. The horses, the cows, the bulls, everything. So, yeah, being out there and traveling around, I felt like, it felt like I was in a different country, to be honest. Um, But not really, because I saw a bunch of American flags, so I knew I was still in the U.S. But it's just, the food is different. A lot of barbecue places, yes, there's a lot of barbecue places in Raleigh, but the barbecue out there is different. It's like St. Louis style. Um, A lot of burgers out there. I think it's from all the um, cows, and then there are some places that sold um, that sold um, bison um, burgers. So the um, the burger was made out of bison. Um, it was from a bison, and um, so yeah, a lot of burger places, a lot of barbecue places. So yes, after a while, I was kind of sick of eating burgers and meat, probably like breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. And it was kind of like a carnivore diet but not fully a carnivore diet, but yeah, just eating all that meat 24-7 kind of made me sick to my stomach, so I was kind of glad when I woke up this morning and ate some of my gluten-free stuff at home that did not contain any meat in it because I just I just don't want to eat meat right now. I'm just detoxing from that because I'm, I don't want to be sick to my stomach, but yeah, it's just a culture difference. 
from Raleigh and out west. It's just very, very, very different. But when, yeah, when I went to Seattle, um, yeah, we could switch over to Seattle. I'm still talking about the cultural difference and how Seattle changed over time. And when I went to Seattle, it kind of, I kind of got some flashbacks, flashbacks to Raleigh. Like it was kind of the same as downtown Raleigh in a similar sense, like the poverty, the homelessness, but also a bunch of skyscrapers, um, the bunch of Starbucks. Um, there's like, at one point we were in Seattle, like a four mile radius. I mean, four mile just. In this four mile circumference, we're in this four mile circle. There was like 20 Starbucks. It's crazy, but I don't know if you guys know the headquarters of Starbucks are in Seattle, so that's probably why. Like every block had a Starbucks. It's insane. Um, yeah, so it had the same food places as we had here, like Mod Pizza, Starbucks, Red Robin, McDonald's, Burger King. There was a tropical smoothie I saw. Um, so yeah, same kind of food places from Seattle to Raleigh, but, like, when we were out west, like, in the middle of nowhere, like, Montana, northern parts of Idaho, there was nothing. It's just barbecue place every, maybe, like, 50 miles. It's crazy. But, um, yeah, so huge culture difference between Raleigh and the plains of Montana and Idaho. But, yeah, so our last part of the trip, we stopped in Seattle. And, to be honest, I was kind of disappointed all these years, I thought Seattle was this beautiful city, beautiful port city. Um, the people were happy. The people were nice. Don't get me wrong. The people were nice there. I mean, the people like at the restaurants. But no, I thought Seattle was just a great town to be in, um, kind of happy. And I kind of knew it was kind of gloomy there because it rains like nine months out of the 12 months there. Um, so I knew it could get cloudy and kind of gray. But yeah, when I flew down, um, when we arrived there, we so so we, sorry, we stayed at the hotel that overlook um, the Seattle Seahawks stadium. So it was super cool. We stayed at the NBC Suites, super nice. And then the Seattle Mariners, the baseball team, were staying in our same exact hotel for training, which because their baseball stadium, T-Mobile, uh, I think Park, um, was literally right around the corner. So they say that the same same hotel. I saw some of the players in the morning for breakfast. So it was really cool. They looked, even though they aren't wearing any team attire, they looked like baseball players, big, kind of huge and jacked. Um, so when we arrived in Seattle, that's when I got my first hit. I was like, wow, this is very gray. Not gray meaning just cloudy out, but like the homeless people and the poverty. It was just... It was insane. I never knew that there was this much homeless people in poverty in Seattle. But yes, I know there's poverty and homeless people in every big city, but I never pictured Seattle to be like this. I thought Seattle was a much nicer town. And I would say like out of the places I went to in Seattle, I bet you like 70, 80% of the places were like sketchy or homeless people around on the benches at every block it was crazy and in seattle like walking around my family we had to take different routes because there would be some roads that some people were meth heads some people were smoking pot and my parents didn't want to let my siblings see those um like walk around those people because you never know what those people could do because they're not thinking straight they're on meth um they're high um it was just crazy and it was a it was a it was a reality hit for me too 
because like living in a nice part of Raleigh, I never get to see those things that much anymore. But walking around the um, streets of Seattle made me think, wow, this is this is kind of what like the real world is, like the big cities. Yes, I see those things in Raleigh, but not as much as I saw in Seattle. Um, and then yeah, so we yeah we avoided those people because they were they were probably gonna offer they were probably gonna ask us for money and my we were gonna say no anyway because we knew they weren't gonna get food they were just gonna get probably some more drugs. Um, it was very sad. I felt very um very sad for those people because. I can see that they're drifting away from God, and I know God still loves them, but it's just they're not making any efforts to go back to God. But um, but I hope, I wish them all the best too. Um, but it was just very sad to see all that happening in Seattle because all these years I thought Seattle was this beautiful city, and I always thought it was going to be a 10 out of a 10 city. And in my opinion, I would if I rate Seattle out of 10, I'll probably give it a 5, 6 on a good day. I wasn't impressed. Yes, I wasn't. The, the reason why I'm giving a five and a six is because a hotel, our hotel had a, for room service, had a robot that came to the door. So it was pretty cool. I mean, it was probably a highlight of the trip. And then we went to Lake Union, kayaked. So that was really cool too. So that was a highlight of my trip. And then going to this very nice crab place, going on the Great Wheel of Seattle, which is a Ferris wheel. That was very nice. Um, and then I noticed, too, throughout Seattle, there's, like, graffiti everywhere. It's crazy. I know there's graffiti in big cities, but I never saw, I never seen that much graffiti in a city ever. It's crazy. Um, but I guess it's that, it's just that nod that those big out west cities like Sacramento, um, L.A., um, San Francisco. That's what it's getting, like, graffiti everywhere. Druggies. Rundown towns. Um, it's pretty sad. It's pretty sad how those out west big cities are running nowadays. But yeah, moving on from that, um, I have some stats on here. I just wanted to look up. So the poverty rate in Seattle, which was, this was in 2018. Um, so it could change, in my opinion, from the research. It's probably went up. But the poverty rate in Seattle is um, out of the population, which is... We should probably look up the population of Seattle. Um, the population of Seattle is 744,955. And the poverty rate there is 12.5%. And I would do the math, but I just exit out of my tab. So you guys can do the math how many people are living in poverty. But 12.5% in 2018. And from what, I, from what I saw, it probably went up. Um, it's just... A lot of people living in tents, and it's crazy. Like in tunnels and alleys, in those bridges at the top where there's like a ledge, it is insane. And then I looked up the homeless rate in Seattle. So the people experiencing homelessness. So in 2019, January 25th, 2019, a total of 11,199 individuals were experiencing homelessness in Seattle. So that's, it says here, 47% of the population was unsheltered, living on the street, or in parks, tents, vehicles, or other places not meant for human habitation. And yeah, like, 
seeing that, yeah, was, there's a lot of parks in Seattle on some blocks. And it seemed like years ago, it was a great place for kids to play, families to hang out on the sunset. Nice place to have a picnic. No, not anymore. Um, surrounded by homeless people. Um, trash everywhere. It's in the. It's gotten to a bad part of that block now. Homeless people are sleeping on the benches, so obviously no room for people to enjoy their time and sit down and talk. It's crazy, and police are surrounded everywhere, graffiti everywhere. And the graffiti, or the graffiti is not saying good things. So that's, I, I bet you parents wouldn't want their little kids to see that too. But it's just insane how the nice parks there in Seattle like can't enjoy that anymore just by all the drugs that are surrounding there. Um, so yeah, that was just the poverty rate and homeless rate in Seattle. And as I was saying before, I was always looking... In this trip, I was looking forward to Seattle a lot. Um, but like at the end of the day, I graded a 5 or a 6 out of 10 just because of all the poverty that was in Seattle and how it was not something I, something I saw in Seattle years ago. But um, yeah, moving on from Seattle, you don't want to hear my rant anymore about Seattle. Um but a great football team, great baseball team, too. The stadiums were super nice. It was in Pioneer Square, the first establishment of Seattle. Um, so that was a very nice part of town right there. All right, so um, I already talked about food and the trip and stuff. Um, I wanted to say another thing, too. I did. I forgot to say on my other podcast um, that when I went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, that it's not just a tourist town. It's also kind of a ski resort place too. There's a bunch of ski trails there. I saw, I actually saw a bunch of ski lifts and ski trails there, but obviously didn't have snow on it. But I could see in the winter time that it's a vivid place full of people skiing um, and all the lodges there kind of make you, kind of makes it feel like you're actually at a ski resort because all the log, log cabin-y theme, even though it's out west, so it deserves that type of theme. But um. Yeah, and then our tour guide on Whitewater Rafting said they actually get more business time. They get more um, visitors, tourists in the summertime than the wintertime. So I found that kind of strange because I thought they'll always get more people in the wintertime just because of all the ski trails, ski resorts. Um, um, just the atmosphere seems like makes me feel that it's a more of a winter place than a summer place. But yeah. Um, Jackson Wyoming has a bunch of ski trails there so if you ever want to go skiing go to Jackson Wyoming it looks like a great place to ski um, and it's real snow not the authentic snow we get in Virginia or North Carolina like wintergreen or something like that so there you have it okay so now we are going to talk about the difference between the types of bears um, between a grizzly bear and a black bear so so the grizzly bear, I'm getting this from bearsmart.com. So the grizzly bear has a pronounced shoulder hump, which the black bear lacks. So I think on my trip, I saw a black bear. Because I'm looking at the picture, grizzly bear is bigger and taller than a black bear. And I didn't see a huge bear. I saw like a medium-sized bear. So yeah, I saw two black bears on my trip. Different bears. And I saw a bunch of bison. It was crazy. It was like seeing squirrels in North Carolina. It was just... First time I saw a bison, I was like, oh, that's super cool. But all the other times, I'm like, eh, it's a bison. It's pretty cool, but it's like seeing squirrels in Raleigh. Um, but grizzlies have a concave or dished facial profile, smaller ears, and much larger claws than the black bear. Black bears have a flatter Roman nose profile, 
larger ears, and no visible shoulder hump and smaller claws. So there you have it. So the difference between grizzly and the black bear. So like summary, grizzly bear, bigger. Um, bigger features except for ears, the larger ears, um, than a black bear. So there you have it. Difference between a grizzly bear and a black bear. So, okay, so here we go. What? So staying safe around bears. So how? what to do um, when a bear has noticed you and is paying attention to you. So these are, these are things that you should do. So identify yourself by talking calmly so the bear knows you're a human and not a prey animal. Remain still. Stand your ground, but slowly wave your arms. Help the bear recognize you as a human. It may come closer or stand on its hind legs to get a better look or smell. A standing bear is usually curious, not threatening. Stay calm. Yeah, most importantly, stay calm. And remember that most bears do not want to attack you. They usually just want to be left alone. Bears may bluff their way out of an encounter by charging and then turning away at the last second. Bears may also react defensively by woofing, yawning, salivating, growling, and snapping their jaws and laying their ears back. Continue to talk to the bear in low tones. This will help you stay calmer and it won't be threatening to the bear. A scream or sudden move a scream or sudden movement may trigger an attack. Never imitate bear sounds or make a high-pitched squeal. And if you're an adult, pick up your small children immediately. And another tip, hike and travel in groups. Groups of people are usually noisier and smaller than a single person. Therefore, bears often become aware of groups of people at greater distances and because of their cumulative size, groups are also intimidating to bears. So another tip the tour guide gave us, when you're going around a corner where it's a blind spot, try to make some noise so if a bear is there, they'll know that you're coming around the corner and that you are a human. Um, so that's a nice tip too. So, and another tip is make yourselves look as large as possible. So for example, move to a higher ground. Do not allow the bear access to your food. So getting your food will only encourage the bear and make the problem worse for others. Do not drop your pack as it can provide protection for your back and prevent a bear from accessing your food. So if the bear is stationary, move away slowly and sideways. This allows you to keep an eye on the bear and avoid tripping. Moving sideways is also non-threatening to bears. Do not run. But if the bear follows, stop and hold your ground. Bears can run as fast as a racehorse, both uphill and down. Like dogs, they will chase fleeing animals. Do not climb a tree. Especially do not, do not, do not climb a tree. Both grizzlies and black bears can climb trees. Leave the area or take a detour. If this is impossible, wait until the bear moves away. Always leave the bear an escape route. And be especially cautious if you see a female with cubs. Never place yourself between a mother and her cub. And never attempt to approach them. The chances of an attack escalate greatly if she perceives you as a danger to her cubs. So, a bear attack. What to do in a bear attack. So most important, guys, bear attacks are rare. 
Most bears are only interested in protecting food, cups, or their space. However, being mentally prepared can help you have the most effective reaction. Every situation is different um, for each bear. So the black bear and the grizzly bear. But most importantly, guys, keep your distance from bears. And a safe number is 100 yards. But <laughs> when we were at Yellowstone, people were definitely not 100 yards away. I would say 20 yards, 25 yards taking pictures. But since there was a lot of people, I don't think the bear was going to attack because there was a big group. So, okay, in a brown slash grizzly bear attack. If you're attacked by a brown or grizzly bear, leave your pack on and play dead. Lay flat on your stomach with your hands collapsed behind your neck. Spread your legs to make it harder for the bear to turn you over. Remain still until the bear leaves the area. Fighting back usually increases the intensity of such attacks. However, if the attack persists, fight back vigorously. Use whatever you have at hand to hit the bear in the face. So most importantly, guys, the thing you should get out of what I just said is play dead. Okay, what to do in a black bear attack. If you're attacked by a black bear, do not play dead. Try to escape to a secure place such as a car or building. If escape is not possible, try to fight back using an object available. Concentrate your kicks and blows on the bear's face and muzzle. So if any bear, so going back to the black bears, the most important thing is do not play dead. So if a bear attacks you in your tent or stalks you and then attacks, do not play dead, fight back. This kind of attack is very rare, but can be serious because it often means the bear is looking for food and sees you as prey. And most importantly, guys, when you're in these national parks and out in the wilderness, carry a bear pepper spray. So my dad actually bought one from the store in Yellowstone in the park for 50 bucks. Yes, it seems like it's a lot, a lot. It seems it's very expensive, but... You never know when you're coming around that corner and a bear approaches. So, most importantly, that spray is used defensively to stop an aggressive charging or attack or attacking bear. Um, and no two bear pepper spray and a human pepper spray are not the same. But yeah, so there's videos online what to do with bear pepper spray. I'm not going to watch the video right now and tell you play by play. But seeing, looking from this picture, you spray it in their eyes and their nose, and it makes the bear go away. And my, what my dad was saying, he tried it out, just spread it in there. It go, it's pretty wide and goes far out, so it's a wide radius to hit that bear. It's not like a little water bottle square. It's just a single line and very small but very long. So, nah, not like that. But buy bear pepper spray. Even though it's probably like 50 bucks, still get it. It's worth it. It's probably cheaper because we got it inside a park. So definitely get bear pepper spray when you're going out on a trip in the wilderness. Okay. So I saw a bear on that trip. And I should have read these things before the trip. That would have been useful in case I got attacked by a bear. But now I know. But now what I should have known too before is what not to do in a bison encounter. And the reason why I'm saying this because I was probably 20 yards from a bison and I walked past it. It was sleeping. Dumb idea for me to do because I underestimated them. I didn't know they can run 40 miles an hour and weigh, I don't know, oh, like 2,000-something pounds. But um, 
I should have read this before. My bad. Okay, so what to do. So tips to avoid angering a bison. Number one, if you encounter bison along the roadway, drive slowly and they will eventually move. Do not honk. Become impatient or proceed too quickly. Bison attacks on vehicles are rare, but can happen. Bison may spook if you get out of your vehicle. Therefore, remain inside or stay very close. Number two, if you are on foot or horseback, never startle bison. Always let them know you are there. Never try to chase or scare bison away. It is best to just cautiously walk away. Always try to stay a minimum of 100 meters, approximately the side of the football field, which I was definitely not um, from the bison. Please take extra caution as bison may be more aggressive. During the rutting season, which is from mid-July to mid-August, as bulls can become more aggressive during this time. After bison cows have cow, after bison cows have calf, um, moms may be a little overprotective during this time. When cycling near bison, as cyclists often startle unknowing herds. Use extreme caution. Tip number four: Use extreme caution if they display any of the following signs: shaking their head, pawing, short charges or running towards you, loud snorting, and raising the tail. Which Recalling right now, as I just said this, when I was walking past that bison, it looked like it was sleeping, but it was shaking its tail. So that's kind of giving me the creeps right now. So that was, if I read these things before walking past this bison, I probably would have not walked past it because I would have had the smarts not to. Um, okay, now what to do if the buffalo charges you so if a bison charges run for cover if it's close but most importantly guys bison might look slow but they are definitely not as i just said they can run up to 40 miles an hour take cover behind something large and keep moving as the bison tries to get at you climb a tree (laughs) a bison can't come up after you this animal isn't interested in eating you. It's just annoyed, annoyed by your proximity. And saying that, so actually when I was at Yellowstone, and then I went to, um, yeah, I was in Yellowstone two days before I was there. A 72-year-old woman, an elderly woman, got gored by a bison. It was outside, it looks like. I saw, I'm recalling the picture from their RV, but... um. Just seeing that video, it didn't show everything. But she was probably less than five feet away taking a picture of it. Crazy. And then the bison, probably my guess, I'm probably right, was just annoyed by how close she was to it. So the bison charged her and gored her. And now she's in the hospital. Thank God she's safe and healing. But I saw, I read that news article after walk past that bison but if i would have saw that beforehand yeah i would have been nope not gonna happen not going past that thing and most importantly keep your distance from a bison and i'm getting this at survivalhacks.com but that's all i have to say guys um thank you for listening to the late night facts of backs podcast remember to reach out to me at late night facts of backs at gmail.com and on twitter at late night facts Um, Thank you for listening to some facts before you go to bed, um, before your afternoon nap, or whatever.
Um, maybe because I'm talking about bears. Maybe you listened to this before your hibernation period. Um, since it's summertime, people tend to sleep more. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys know what to do in a bison attack, a buffalo attack. And I hope you guys um, know that if you're looking forward to Seattle, if you think it's such a great city, which it is, some parts, just try not to be, um, don't be surprised when you get there and it's not what you thought it was. Okay, Baxter's out. Good night.